The Jewish gospel writers wanted to catch the prophetic vibrancy they experienced in the new ministry of a man named Jesus. They wanted to capture the hope and imagination he employed to break open a new kind of consciousness. So they turned to the prophets of old, to Isaiah and Jeremiah, and took inspiration there, just as Handel has done, to express an ecstatic experience of the holy. Jesus was out saying outrageous things in a time of deeply divided ethnicities and religious understandings. Jesus took the reality of sorrow and the audacity of hope and wove something new. Hope announced is not comfortable. It rubs. It may even sound Pollyannish, but you will know it's authentic hope because it always follows grief. Real hope follows grief. I can remember teaching a workshop for the Wilder Foundation a decade or more ago, and I had taught this workshop for, for many, many years. But because the leadership had changed, it was the first time I was addressing a mixed group of ethnicities, cultures, and economic backgrounds. The workshop asked participants to trace the experience of joy through their lives in order to discern the nature of their calling. My premise in this workshop is that joy is the harbinger of our true nature. When we experience joy, we're experiencing something central about ourselves, and we need to pay attention in order to discern that calling. So in the closing, I asked people what their experience was of the exercises was like. What surprised you? What was a rub, I asked. And an African-American man, a leader in his community, raised his hand and said, Lady, I don't know what world you belong to, but in my world, rats bit my toes when I was a kid. I didn't have enough to eat. There was no joy. There was survival. A prophet was speaking to me that day. A prophet was talking. He broke me open with grief. The truth that there is something very wrong in the order of things. Hear me, O Israel. That's what he was saying. Grief cuts through the numbing quality of the dominant cultural consciousness that says security is more important than history, affluence is more important than justice, static religion is preferable to the fundamental free flow of the holy. I was pierced through. 
I realized with stunning clarity that my worldview was not big enough. My God was not big enough. A new conscience was rising within, and with it followed hope. Authentic hope says, this now is not greater than the creating force, the free and fierce, loving created creativity that we can all tap into. There is something more, and it's real. At a forum recently sponsored by the Theater for Public Policy, I imagined Isaiah speaking. In fact, I heard him through the words of Anthony Newby, director of Neighborhoods Organizing for Change in North Minneapolis. And I'm paraphrasing here, but this is generally what he said. We need to think outside the box when it comes to policing in this nation. What would policing look like if it sprung from a framework of caring, of compassion rather than punishment? Really, what would that look like? I, I know this may sound Pollyannish, but we have to start thinking differently, he said, imagining differently. Look, 200 years ago, no one would have believed that there was any reality other than slavery. Slavery was the air people breathed, the foundation of our society and its successes. To suggest anything else would have been considered lunacy. We're in a new time. We need to imagine bigger, he said. We need to imagine bigger. My friends, these words are prophetic words born out of grief and hope, casting a new vision for a bigger, more embracing worldview, a bigger God. This is the same kind of thinking and prophetic imagination Jesus employed when speaking to his followers. Do you want to access the free and fierce, loving force of creativity, of God, Jesus said in essence, then place yourself at intersections, intersections of reality. He said in essence, eat with people you don't normally eat with. Know that healing is available to all, and whatever distinctions you ha may have understood as to who is in and who is out, is null and void. Brueggemann writes, the tools of hope contradict the presumed world of the kings, and I add elected officials, showing both that the presumed world does not square with the facts, and that we have been taught a lie and have believed it. Does this sound familiar? At the heart of our racial justice work is this truth. We all have been educated very well in a grand and devastating lie. And to dismantle the lie, we must enter the circle with compassion and curiosity.
Whenever you are in the circle of things, Jesus said, take your place in compassion. Have compassion for the hurt you see and the hurt you carry inside. Take hurt seriously. Do not accept hurt as simply the norm of doing business. Do you hear the radical nature of Jesus? This is what the gospel writers were trying to capture in the birth stories of Jesus. They're trying to tell the story of a paradigm shift in consciousness. There is a part of the nativity story that we rarely tell, and yet it is the prophetic imagination at work. And how we tell the story, how we alter it, is making it into a bedtime story when really it is a decisive criticism of the dominant consciousness of the time. So let me say something first, and I'm going to get this out of the way right now. Everybody who was anybody in the ancient times was born of a virgin. That is shorthand language for pay attention to this guy. He's really important in history. That's how they said it. So let's just get that out of the way. <laughs> the real story that I want to tell is the story of the wise men and their journey. Because it is a metaphorical telling of how an alternative consciousness overturns the consciousness of the empire. That's what it's a story of. So the wise men from the east come to Jerusalem asking, where is the child who was born, who is born to be the king of the Jews? Now you would think that a king would be born in the great halls in the presence of the ruling monarchy. So they had gone to Jerusalem, but the king, King Herod, is surprised and frightened by their inquiry, and so he gathers all his counselors together and asks, where is the new king being born? And his advisors tell him about this writings from the prophet of Micah, which named Bethlehem as the prophet's birthplace. So Herod recalls the wise men and sends them off to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring him to me, so that I may also go and pay him homage. They do as they are commanded and find the babe with his mother. The wise men lay gifts before him of gold and frankincense and myrrh, and then that night, while sleeping, they are awakened by a terrible, terrible dream. And in it they are warned to not return to Herod, but to leave for their country by another route. The young family leaves as well, fleeing to Egypt. Now Herod is enraged when he begins to understand that he has been duped. He orders all the children under the age of two to be slaughtered. 
It is carnage. And the spirit of all Israel weeps and refuses to be consoled. King Herod dies, and an angel leads the family to Galilee. Galilee is the code name for freedom in all the Gospels. Whenever you hear Galilee, think freedom. And the angel leads the child and his ministry into the future and fruition. So what the Gospel writers are trying to get at is this. The old dominant narrative, those in power, will not go down without a fight. It will be brutal. It will end in grieving and lamentation. But the new order will emerge. It will pop up somewhere. It will emerge in the margins, the intersections, where you least expect it. I can't help but think of the different acts of brutality that have been visited in and around the 4th Precinct for residents, protesters, and police officers. The trauma young souls have endured is harsh. It's harsh. I've heard the stories. As they've called out a framework of oppression and called for a new world order. And I can't help but hear the statement made by many protesters at City Hall last Thursday. If you remove us, we'll just pop up somewhere else. My friends, all of this is connected. It's all connected. The prophets of old, the prophets called Jesus, the prophets that are in our midst today, it's all connected. Let us hold the Christmas story in a new embrace, not as a fairy tale, not as a bedtime story, not as a way to fall back to sleep, but as a way to wake up. Let us enter the prophetic imagination saying within our midst a new way is possible. A new consciousness is born. A new year is coming, a new world.